but you know we, we, we can't rely on luck to to be successful or long term uh, long term in this business. Um, so I, I think if you make a mistake, you make an error, and it's and you can correct it. You can learn from that and and move on. But there's a lot. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who who don't learn from those mistakes and don't learn from those errors, and they they tend to repeat them over and over and over again. And they and eventually find themselves, Steve. What we we use what we say in poker, they find themselves on the rail. You're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at tradersinsight.news. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Interactive Brokers Traders Insight Radio. Uh, this is your host, Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist at Interactive Brokers. With me today is my friend Bob Lang from Explosive Options, and I'm going to let him introduce himself very briefly. Um, he and I have, uh, we've met in person, though we really actually became friendly via Twitter and interacting that way. And uh, take it away, Bob. Tell us about yourself. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be with you today. Great, great to be with all the listeners today as well, too. So um, as uh, Steve said, I, I run a company called ExplosiveOptions.net, and I've had this company for oh, about a little over 11 years now. And um, as you probably could understand from the title of the company, it's, it's about trading options. And um, we do it, try to do it in a way of um, uh, helping, us, helping people learn how to manage risk in a, in a way that allows them to become profitable trading options. I know options trading is a, is a, is a, is a huge mystery for some people out there. They don't really understand um, how it works and the applications involved, the execution and that sort of thing. And there's some ways to make money trading options. So we, we try to teach people how to, how to do that um, through my service and through a, a, an amazing chat room that we have. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, and have used Interactive Brokers as my broker for my clients for, for several years now. And um, so it seemed like a natural uh, um, process here to, to talk with you, Steve, and, and I'm very excited to, uh, to be here. Tell, tell the listeners how you interact with your customers. I, I've actually had the privilege of being out with you where you invited me to a customer event where I, we're at a great time meeting not only you and your lovely wife, but also just, you know, various of your customers. Tell us how you interact with them and how you um, keep them on the straight and narrow, as it were. Well, I, I, I put a lot of um, information, Steve, out on, out on, on the internet, out on, especially on Twitter and, and social media. And because I know there's a lot of people out there listening. They're, they're hungry for, for learning. And they're hungry for for understanding how to um, how to make money, and and there's a lot of people out there who who don't have a large a large sum of money, and they they, they but they hear that trading options, um, you can make a, a a great deal of money with a very small um, small capital base. So you know we try to teach people um, to be to be diligent, to be responsible, to manage risk um, appropriately. And you know, I find these people, Steve. I, I don't, I don't do any marketing at all. I don't do any, you know, I don't spend any money doing any marketing other than, um, you know, what I put out there on social media and put um, uh, articles and webinars and interviews together, and share things with people. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, and um, you know, 20 plus years. And and through my years, I've learned a lot 
about how to make money. I've learned a lot how to lose money. And I, I think it's the combination there um, that has kept me in the game, kept me grounded and, you know, kept, kept the ego out of my, my trading. And so I try to, I try to share my experiences with people and I, I try and keep it real. And hopefully people see that, Hey, look, you know what? That happened. You know, I can, they can hear something that I, uh, that, that happened to me recently or even five, 10 years ago, they might be able to say, Hey, that's me. He's talking about me. I did the same thing. This guy's been around for a long time and I'm making the same mistakes that he did. Okay. I got to find out more. And that's how it starts. And people come come in and they, uh, Come to the chat room or else they they follow me on, on twitter or, or elsewhere and they they feel like you know this is this has become their home and uh so that that's kind of how it starts it's it it's a very interesting point that you bring up because i think a lot of people think about options as a vehicle for speculation and you know i've always found that i think you learn more from mistakes than you do from the wins because a lot of times you can you can win because of luck and or you could win because of skill, but it's, it's often difficult to distinguish the two. You know, I, one of my favorite phrases is don't confuse a bull market with brains, because uh, mm -hmm. that happens a lot of times. Um, but I, and obviously it's much cheaper for your customers if they've learned from your mistakes, which we all have. Um, let, let me not say anybody, let me not single you out as being alone with mistakes. But I think, it, I think that's a great way to um, impart wisdom to your customers is is by you know here's here's where I've made a mistake don't make don't make the same one or this is a situation that has a pitfall T tell me some of the ones that you've been working on with your customers recently yeah so <clears throat> i i think um people people you know have to understand that that trading is not a game of perfect and if you if you make a mistake if you make an error and it's correctable then then you then you at least have a chance to to turn around and, and fix it. I think one of the most important aspects of trading options is to be able to, when you have control, you don't want to lose, you want to give up that control um, to the markets, or or you're 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 gonna you're gonna lose a lot of money and um, eventually get booted out of the game. So what I mean by control, I mean we 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 oftentimes um, put trades together and we we think that they're they're much bigger and much greater than they end up turning out to be. And, and that means that, you know, we, we tend to want to put up more capital because we want to have bigger wins. And we feel that, you know, trades are going to be that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it's it certainly never, never, hardly ever is the case unless you get lucky. But, you know, we, we, we can't rely on luck to, to be successful or long-term uh, long in this business. Um, so I, I think if you make a mistake, you make an error and, it's, and, and you can correct it, you can learn from that and, and move on. But there's a lot, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who, who don't learn from those mistakes and don't learn from those errors. And they, they tend to repeat them over and over and over again. And they and eventually find themselves, Steve, what we, we used to, what we say in poker, they find themselves on the rail, which means <laughs> outside the game, they're watching and they're not participating in the game any longer. Yeah, because the problem with the problem with options from the long side, you know, obviously we can we can talk about options from the short side in a minute. But even with options from the long side, people focus on the fact that um, it's a leveraged return. You, you have a fixed, you, you know, if you're just buying a naked, you know, an outright call or an outright put, um, you know, you put up a fixed amount of money um, for what the hope is, is of a leveraged return. And, you know, that's a very easy and seductive idea for people. But um, 
unfortunately, it appeals to a lot of gambling mentality, um, and gamblers don't gamblers don't overall have a great track record. Um, and so, how do you how are you imparting the idea that if you're trading from the long side, a lot of times the odds are against you, um, and and how do you overcome that? So the the gambling analogy is is very appropriate because. Um, you know, much like options trading, it's, 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 it's risk-taking. You're risking a certain amount of money to make other money. But the difference between options trading and, say, the, a, a hand of blackjack is you, you, you have no edge at the, at the blackjack table. The, the, the house holds every edge against you from 51% or higher, right? Whether it's craps, whether it's the slot machines, or whether it's the roulette table or blackjack. The, the house holds every single edge against you, but we're at least in options trading. You can create your, you know, your own edge against the markets and against other people um, and, and, and have a system there that can be a consistent winner as long as you're, you're disciplined enough. Look, I mean, if you're, if you're you know, if you, if, 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 again, we're, t we're taking a risk over here. However, if you could do it in a smart way, in a more managed way, uh, and, and the risk that we take is to get that advantage that you talked about, the leverage that you have with options to, to have get a much better return than you would otherwise in playing, uh, in playing a stock, uh, making a stock play. I, I think the, 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 the um, similarities between options trading and gambling or uh, the casino is very appropriate because a lot of people have that casino mentality. They, they want to get in there and they want to you know, take, take a risk and, and uh, and be a player and, 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 and take, uh, take some money from the casino. But the casinos weren't, you know, weren't built because they lost money. Um, in fact, if, if you go to a casino and you're, you know, at least the, the, the difference between a casino, I guess, and options trading, Steve, is at least a casino, you'll get some free drinks. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and they won't tell you when it's time to leave because there are no clocks in the casino. So, um, on, so, on, so on the other yeah. hand, the, on the other hand, the the options market is the one place that won't kick you out if you win consistently. That that's right. You can keep going and going and going if you have if you have a consistent methodology. And so the the, the control and the discipline that I was talking about earlier is about managing risk. And I think a lot of people you know don't know how to manage risk. And we're talking about position sizing. I think sizing your positions appropriately for the amount of risk that you want to take is absolutely essential. It's crucial to the success for an options trader. And I know it's, it may be boring for some people to say, look, I, I can only, I should only make, uh, take, buy one option, but I want to buy five. Well, you should, if you can only buy one option, then you just you should buy one option. And if you lose, and, and, and again, the, the, the odds are against you when you're a buyer because of, of the decay factor. If, if you happen to win, at least you can compound that and start, you know, stringing some wins together. You don't, you don't have that opportunity um, when you're at the blackjack table because, again, those if you win five hands in a row, that, that's not correlated with that sixth hand, which could be, and you throw all your money out on that sixth hand, the dealer gets blackjack and you're done. So. Yeah, no, that's true. You're, so you're, so following that along, do you find yourself being a bit more of a trend follower or counter trend trader? Because um, Mark, you know, yeah, there's the random walk element to the markets, but markets do have a memory, and there are, there is trendiness in a market. Um, do you, do you tend to be more of a trend follower or or a counter trend trader or just opportunistic in either direction? 
Yeah, you talk about the whole random walk thing. One of my favorite books is uh, The Random Walk uh, by uh, Burton Malkiel. Of course. I'm sure you read that book. Great book. Um, so I would call myself, Steve, a, a, I'm a trend follower. Um, okay. But one, one of my um, uh, mentors who I learned a lot about technoanalysis from is Dave Landry. And he he, he kind of coined himself um, affectionately the trend-following moron. <laughs> 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 and, you know, I, I learned a lot about um, why he was a trend follower for, for such a long period of time. And, and he, he, he basically said that, you, you know, it, um, you can find the, the best moves when, when a, a, a stock or a market is, is trending. And then I realized um, about, you know, tops and the counter trend uh, player is looking for tops and bottoms. And, and then I, I looked at some charts um, many years ago, and I realized that you know a stock when it's continually going down, 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 is a collection of of bottoms. So, and how how do you know that you're that you're picking out the correct bottom that the market is going to turn from? You don't. It's a it's a guessing game. And you know, much like Steve, you remember back in the time back in 2008, 2009. You know, when when the, when the markets were making lower highs, lower lows, day after day after day, and people were continually going on. On, on, on TV and financial media and so forth and telling you this is the buy of the century. You've got to get in there and buy it. And we just continue to go lower and lower and lower. How did they know when, when the bottom was going to be? And then finally, you know, um, four or five months after um, the election in, in March of, of, of 2009, well, we hit, we had 666, but we, we were down 40% in the last the prior four or five months. And you, you kept buying that, you know, reaching for that falling knife over and over and over again. And you got, Pretty bloodied up. Now, over a long period of time, was that it? Was that a smart buy? Absolutely, no question about it. But um, I, I, I would rather be on a trend. I mean, I, I could have waited for that bottom to come in there, come in three, four, five, six months later, and ridden a trend and still made, made a nice uh, amount of chunk of money, and not having lived through the pain of uh, losing money during that time when the markets went down. Oh, I, I, one of the things that I've been fairly adamant about um, in, in my work is. There's only one true bottom. There, there are any number of short-term bottoms or, or bottom-like events, uh, but there's only one. And I think the idea of trying to go all in, um, which goes back to your position sizing, you know, just because you think, okay, that's the bottom. Remember in March of 2009, that was, it, it, it didn't, it, it felt miserable. It really felt like we were never going to have an up day again, which, of course, that's the capitulation. Um, you know, not before. You know, not none. You know, none of this, none of this false enthusiasm. Um, and I think that's what we have to be very wary of right now. Um, could we have seen the bottom? Yes. Uh, do I think we're likely to have? We'll, we'll get to some of the stuff about the Fed and, and other stuff as we go on. But I don't want to lose sight of the position sizing because this is very important to many people and it's a tactic I think people don't understand. How do you, how do you advocate that? I know there's sort of the old Bill Gross method of, you know, don't put more than 2% into any, into any one position. Um, obviously with options, it's different than if you have a bond portfolio. Um, how do you how do you work with your client base and, uh, toward finding the optimal position size for a given portfolio? Well, there, there's the old there's the old adage: if you um, if you can't sleep at night, you clearly have too much too much exposure and too much risk on. So, I mean, maybe for some people, it's selling down to the sleeping point. 
Um, I, I tell people, look, I mean, you know, what, what are you willing to lose? I mean, for some people, let's say, Steve, they have a $100,000 portfolio. They're willing to risk a thousand bucks of a total loss. And then they're, they're willing to say that that's enough. So that's 1%, right? And you can risk a thousand dollars and you can make a much larger sum of money. You can make a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. But of course you're, 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 you're capped off at that, at that thousand dollar risk. That's, that's the thing that's beauty about options is, you know, you're only, you can only lose what you put into it. It's defined risk. Um, but as far as the position sizing is concerned, listen, I've, I've over my years, I've, I've, I've heard from everybody, people who've had the, uh, they, they come to me and they say, Bob, I've got the winning method. It's a black box theory, I, a methodology here. I can't lose. I've back tested it for 10 years. It's an absolute winner. I can't lose. All right. And so they go all in, Steve. And what it, the next call I'm getting is, oh my God, what did I do? I can't believe it. I lost. I lost it all. Because, and, and, and it's because. Yeah. You know, you, you, you believe you believe in something, and that's great to have conviction in it, but risk management rules always, always are the priority. They're always the most important thing. You can have the best system in the world. Listen, I'm sure you, you remember back in 1998, what was, the, what was the talk back then in the fall? It was these brilliant geniuses from long-term capital management. The smartest people in the world were making gazillions of dollars for their clients. They, 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 they took excessive risk and they almost took out the whole financial um, uh, markets. If people don't remember, this is this actually setup was even worse than 2008. Uh, yeah, no, oh, I, I, I remember that because um, as someone who was running, helping to manage a very, very successful black box, which needed, by the way, to be constantly fed and maintained and reassessed and with very strict risk limits, um, for each, you know, for positions. Um, even then, it was tricky because, um, you know, the the mark, the the lack of liquidity meant that some of our some of our positions we actually did fairly well in that one. Um, we tended we tended to be long gamma, um, long you know, long downside, and 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 tended to do well in these kind of events, um, but. You know, there was there were the questions of okay, well, you guys are long a whole bu a whole bunch of leaps, and they're a liquid. Where do you mark them? It, it, you, it is in a crisis like that. Even if you're even if you're right, you can end up in a tr in a sticky situation. Um, it's no, so I remember that, and, and you know, being here in Greenwich, they were in Greenwich as well, and I remember taking the train to work one day, and you know, the conductor's like, next stop, Greenwich, Connecticut, home of everyone's favorite hedge fund. Yeah, John Merriweather, right? Is that, is... Oh, yeah. No, I knew a lot of those guys. My first job was at Solomon Brothers, so I did know some of those people. Um, it was, it was. Um, I'm going to call it market hubris. These, these were literally the smartest guys in the room. Two of them yeah. were Nobel Prize winners. That's um, right. Yeah, and 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 so the thing is, is that you know you, you get people, the most brilliant people in the world, even they can trip up and, and cause um, cause bad things to happen just um, because of that, you know, of the nature of, of, of trying to get large enough and big enough. It, it, it was, you, you can never, you, you, you can never be, uh, never be big enough for everybody else. So, um, so yeah. I always like to remind people the market can remain irrational much longer than you can remain solvent. That's right. That's right. Yeah. John Maynard Keynes, right. Some hundred years ago said the same thing. So, yep. And that was, uh, a, and, a, and those Nobel prize winners must have skipped that part of his book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, 
Uh, no, so that so now do your your clients tend to trade from the long side. You you're not you don't involve them in very many um, writing strategies. I, I guess as a trend follower, um, you might you might as well you might as well follow the trend and, and lever on it as opposed to um, you know as opposed to to writing. Do you do much writing with your clients? Sure. You know, I think that that's one of the easiest ways to um, to to take some risk off on uh, on positions. So if I if I have some stock positions, I've, immediately what I'm doing is I'm looking to to write calls against it. Um, that's the easiest, most uh, uh, plain vanilla way to um, to use options. Um, but for the most part, um, I'm, I look at lots of different. Um, Option strategy, Steve. Something you know, because you know, there's three different options uh, types of trades. There's uh, one for volatility and direction and time. The three different ones, and I, I try. I, I use them all. So when you know, when it, when, it, when there's looking when we're looking for a big volatility move, I'm <clears throat> I'm entering strangles or straddles. Um, these uh, terminology here, of course, you know, maybe you know a little bit foreign to some people, but. They can, um, they can always come to IBKR campus and learn all about our various learning tools for option strategies. Sorry, <laughs> had to throw in the plug there. It's a great place to learn all of it. I've been there myself. I've, I've, it's a great place to learn um, new, uh, new language and new terminology to help, help, uh, help you on, on your way to becoming an options trader. Um, you know, so it just depends on, on, on what, we're, you know, what we're doing as a trend follower. You know, like I said, I, I look for different opportunities for what the market is telling me to do. And I don't tell, you know, I mean, one thing more recently, I've been talking with people and they're trying to force their own viewpoint on the markets. And my art, I ever an article last week, Steve said, basically this is the moment and time during a bear market where the most people are going to get hurt. And it's because we've had this bear market, let's say it's been going on since the beginning of the year. Well, we made our, 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 our all time high on January 3rd or January 4th. And we've just been had a steady decline ever since. Um, and so we, we could say we've been in a bear market for the better part of seven months, probably a little bit longer, but let's just say since the beginning of the year, people are frustrated. People are exhausted. They're tired of this bear market. They're tired of this behavior day after day after day. It says, you know, I mean, people are waking up. Okay. I'm, and they wake up and they say, how much money am I going to lose today? Because they, they just, they, they, they're, they're defeated and people just want this to be over. So I think where, where people lose money, Steve, is they, they say to themselves, all right, well, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, figure it out. If I'm going to use technicals or whatever, but I'm going to make sure that the market is going to move up in my favor. And it's, it's irrational. It's really, it's really illogical. It's irrational to tell the markets what to do, but that's what people are going to do. And they're going to lose a large amount of money and they're going to end up, you know, in a, in a whole world of hurt here. The, the, market, the markets do not care what you think about them. That's, that's really, you know what, you've learned that lesson the hard way, I'm sure. I know I've learned it the hard way. The, the markets, my, my point of view is, is one of many. And if I, you have no other choice but to recognize if you're wrong and recognize it very quickly and, rec, and most importantly, recognize that you cannot impose your will on the market. Long-term capital, again, I hate to bring them up again. If anyone could impose their will on the market, it was those guys and you couldn't. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, didn't, didn't, didn't mean to take away your train of thought on that one. No, no, that's you're 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 exactly right, and I think that the, most people right now they're gonna they're in the um, they have a great opportunity to s step back and sit back and wait for what's going to be on the other side of the of, of the wall because you know we always know that a, a, a bull market comes around eventually. Bear markets don't stay around for a, an extraordinary long long period of time. 
but the, it has to play out. And, you know, a, a fellow that I know you you may have known personally, Marty's wife, once said that uh, don't fight the Fed. And you know, he, he said a whole lot of other things that really um, crystallized um, me, uh, me in terms of uh, understanding markets and behavior and psychology. But this one thing that one thing that he said, don't fight the Fed. Well, if the Fed is in hawkish mode, right? And they currently are right now. If, if that's, you know, just to dumb it down a little bit, why fight the Fed? Why, why do that? So you have to wait this till this whole thing plays out because we know at the end of the, if you, it's a game of survival here. If you can survive through this bear market to make it to the next bull market, it, it'll be, it'll be much more of a, like an oasis than it is um, right now. Well, you've you've hit upon one of my most common themes. You and I think are very copacetic on this one. I've been saying this quite a bit. You know, if if don't fight the Fed was your mantra on the way up, it it, it kind of needs to be your mantra now. And you know, the until or unless we see the Fed, I'm not even going to say step on the gas, but at least take their foot off the brake. I don't see how. It's an environment that lends itself toward going all in on the long side. Yeah, there's always going to be opportunities. And, and, and you know, you and I each have trading mentalities. And we know that there are, you know, there, there, there's always opportunities, even in a bear market. There's, there's certainly, you know, trading opportunities. You know, stocks that are in a downtrend can bounce and they can bounce for longer. Bear market rallies, you know, short, sharp and ferocious. They can, they, you know, they, they can sucker you in, but they can also give you some opportunities. But I think overall, as an investment thesis, you're, I, I can't agree with you more because it's been something I've been advocating for some time, which is the Fed is not your friend right now. And so don't fight them. Going back to the idea of, you know, you might think one thing, but the market's going to think what it, what it thinks. It's going to do what it's going to do. And if the money, if the monetary tide is flowing out, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's very, you know, it's very, very hard. Um, to, to fight that. I was, I was going to say, you know, that the monetary tie that you talked about is extremely important to understand that, you know, even, even with the proliferation of algo traders and, and program traders and that sort of thing these days, let's not forget 80% of the money that flows in the, into and out of the markets is institutional. We're talking mutual funds, hedge funds, big banks, pension funds, charitable trusts, that sort of stuff. 80% of the money that's flowing in or out. And if they're not in the money, they're not in the game right now. Let, let's face it, a lot of this money has been pulled out over, over uh, a long period of time here. And if they're not in the game, these are your long-term investors, the ones who, who, who have the insight and the foresight to get in early before market prices go up. They're like the big elephant in the room. You know, and I was, I, excuse my French, Steve, I always like to tell people, I like to be a fly on an elephant's ass. I like to be riding that elephant along because look, when he steps in water, Everybody gets so I want to I want to be riding along with that elephant when he's putting money to work. He's not putting money to work right now, and so I I, I can identify that I can see that and say okay if he's not if he's not playing, then why should I be? So it's it's a matter of being patient and waiting, and not anybody necessarily getting me a phone call and saying hey Bob we're we're putting um seventy trillion dollars worth of money into the markets today just letting you know. I don't get that phone. <laughs> no, no, I don't either. Yeah. I've, I've, yet, I've, yet, I've been waiting by the phone for that for years. For years. The, the signals and the signs will be there as long as your eyes are open and you're ready. And again, going back to, to risk, if you're, if you're out of the game, you're not going to be watching for those things because you don't care because you're out of money. So that's why I tell people, just be patient. Just wait. If you, if you don't want to play the bear market, fine. Step out. Step back. 
and wait for your moment uh, to, to get back in because at some point in time, it'll be there. Well, Warren Buffett often has referred to cash on the sidelines as a, as a call option, gives him the opportunity to step in and buy. And I think that's important in this environment. Going, going back to the institutional aspect of it, one of the questions I get asked a lot, and I'm sure you get asked it a ton as well, is, you know, why isn't VIX higher? One of the thoughts that goes through my mind is institutions have largely de-risked and so they don't need to buy as much volatility protection. Do you do you subscribe to that idea? That's absolutely 100% correct. And you know why why does somebody what if you're a big institution and you again as you said you de-risk why do you have to buy protection against your cash? That's <laughs> really essentially <laughs> what, what what people are saying. You know I'm going to buy I'm going to buy volatility because I'm going to I'm going to protect myself against my positions going down. So it's a completely different uh, situation here. So. And, and again, this goes into my theme, what I talked about earlier, about why this is the most toughest part of the bear market right now. Because normally in a bear market, you see rising volatility and you see um, big movements. And now, of course, what does rising volatility mean? When the VIX goes up, it means option prices become expensive, right? Uh, cook puts and call. But when volatility is coming down, it means everything's inexpensive. And so you would think that if put options are cheap along with call options, okay, well, give me, give me some puts. But if the market is telling you that you're not going to get those ginormous moves like we've been used to over the past couple of months, well, that's a dilemma too. So, I mean, if you're if, if, if you're trying to, to buy some protection or else just play a directional move, you're not going to get the bang for your buck like you would normally get. And in fact, when, when volatility is low, you have the, the chance that the, the, the trend, if it's going down, is going to reverse on you really, really quickly. Look what happened last week. We had we had up in, before last week, Steve, we had about uh, 10 out of 12 weeks that were down um, out of the past three months. We had that big, huge week last week. You know, we're, we're reversing right back down today. The, the market volatility is not is not uh, moving very much at all either. And in, in addition, Steve, I would tell you this, is that one of the reasons why volatility is down is because the uncertainty factor has been lowered as well, too. So what does that mean? That means that we all know that the Fed is going to be raising interest rates. I think if you, don't, if you didn't know that, you've been living under a rock. We also know that the economy is soft, and we're we are likely going to print another negative GDP number on Thursday morning to the technical definition of a recession two quarters in a row. But I think that but, people really understand that the uh, economy is weak right now, and earnings are going to be weak. So people know these things. The surprises aren't aren't necessarily going to happen to uh, to pop volatility in these uh, and shock everybody. Let, let me just state um, for those who might be listening to it further on: we are taping this. Uh, the Tuesday that the uh, the first day of the two day Fed meeting. So as of now, we markets were widely anticipating 75 basis points. By the time you're listening to this, we'll we'll know the answer to that for sure, and we'll also know what the GDP print is. Um, but yes, it, it broadly speaking, I, I believe that to be the case. I, I was asserting recently that VIX is probably about right, considering the type of intraday moves we've been having. Um, we do tend to see, you know. High, high, low um, intraday, certainly a percent or more are not uncommon. Uh, two, two, 3% is not uncommon. So when you think about VIX being, mathematically speaking, the market's best estimate of volatility over the coming 30-day period, yeah, it's about, it's about right. It's not too cheap, it's not too expensive. I, I, I called it a Goldilocks VIX. I, I think, and I do think that while you're gonna be susceptible, you're always susceptible to a jump because you know VIX VIX tends to take the the elevator to the roof and the and the stairs back to the to the lobby, kind of the opposite of the market. 
you know, I think it's I think it's tough. It, 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 it's not it's not unfairly priced. Do you broadly agree with that? What's your take on that one? No, I, I, I agree with that. And in fact, if you look at other uh, aspects or derivatives of, of the VIX, and one is called the, I hate to get all technical here on you, the VIVIX, V-V-I-X, which is the volatility of the VIX. It's uh, basically the, a derivative of volatility. And that is really extremely low right now too. So this indicator is telling you that no, you don't really should not expect a lot of uh, a huge amount of volatility in the markets, which is kind of explained by, uh, as well by what we call the skew, skew index. And the skew index tells us where the out, outlier bets are being made. When that skew index is rising, that means people are, are speculating that uh, we're going to have large moves in the markets. And that actually, the skew index is actually rather low. So you have a couple of these other indicators, Steve, that are confirming to you the fact that the, the, the market market volatility is low, should be low, and is priced just about right. So I would agree with you. Okay, well, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we have another month or so of summer to follow, and we'll, we'll find out about that one. I, I'm, getting the, uh, I'm getting the little motion from our producer that um, we're, we're I, I knew this was going to happen. You and I could talk for an hour or, or two, but we pretty much have about a, a half an hour as our, as our goal for the podcast. Anything else you'd like to wrap up with? Anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about you um, just as a final as a final wrap? Well, just that, you know, I, I, I put a lot of information out there and I try to help educate people because I, I realize that this is a difficult uh, uh, task to do. I, I think options trading, you know, could, if you learn what you're doing um, the right way and take your time, it's an endless journey. I'm, I'm learning something every single day. I've been doing it for a long time. I know you two, too. You you learn something every every day as well. Um, it's endless learning. It's just uh, it's it's a it's it's a fantastic way to 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 earn money and, and grow your wealth in a way that um, that's unmatched by anything else um, in, in financial markets. It includes, that includes crypto and, and uh, foreign currency. So I, I think that options trading is is a fantastic place to be, and I hope that people get a chance to see what I'm doing. Um, I have this book I wrote called Know Your Options, and, and kind of it's a soup to nuts uh, about uh, options trading from start to finish. It tells you how to get started and you know get you uh, working on technicals and so forth, all the option uh, terminology and language and so forth. And it's it's a great uh, starter book for anybody who wants to get going. I think you know most people they could read that book and can get going and open up a trading account and, and get and get moving right away. So. But that's, uh, you know, I think I'm excited. Every day I wake up in the morning, I'm excited to have an opportunity to make a buck and uh, in the options market. And uh, until that until that goes away, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated every single day. Uh, and just, again, please remind the listeners of your website and your Twitter handle, all the good stuff and when they can find I know you're on the street.com periodically. That's where you and I met. I, and I know, you know, Jim Cramer features, features your work from time to time. You know, just make sure everybody has your website and, and social media handles. So my, my website, Steve, thank you, is explosiveoptions.net. Uh, as well, my, on Twitter, my handle is, is the at Aztecs99, A-Z-T-E-C-S-99. I went to San Diego State, so they're the Aztecs, so I use that <laughs> as my uh, handle. And, and right, as you said, uh, forestthestreet.com, uh, Steve, you know, we, we met and did an interview together, and it was just a wonderful interview. And and you know we did, we it, it was so great working with you in that time, and I'm glad we got a chance to do it again. Um, and I, I run action help. I'm one of the two two guys who run uh, Action Alerts Plus for uh, thestreet.com, which is their big uh, flagship product. 
that Jim ran for, uh, Jim Kramer ran for many, many years, started it uh, with the charitable trust. He's moved on, of course, to uh, CNBC. Chris uh, Versace and I took over the product in October of 2021, and we've been running it ever since, and we're doing pretty well. We're about in line with the S&P 500, and we're, um, you know, we're, we're holding a lot of cash. We have some uh, reserves as well, too. Um, got some good plays in there, but uh, that's also another place you guys can find me. Well, I, I, I urge you all to uh, check out some of some of the places that Bob told you to, where to find him. He and I he and I have an ongoing discussion, and I you know I'd love it if the more listeners who joined our discussion, the better. Just to wrap up, again, my guest was Bob Lang of Explosive Options. This is Steve Sosnick of Interactive Brokers, and I wish you all adieu. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll be back again with another podcast soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes reference to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page.